This podcast is produced by Sunnydale Studios. Hello, lovers. Welcome back to Big Love Energy. We're officially in season two. It's come around super quick. We had a little two-week break, but needed. It's been pretty dare I say the B word, pretty busy around these parts, um, only because those who know moving, I have been in the middle of a move, um, uprooting the boys. We've been in our little villa for just under three years um, and we're having a little sea change, moving closer to the beach, like on the beach. Um, some of you have made, seen in my stories and we're super excited, but it has been hectic it's just yeah in the current climate even like trying to find a place was pretty stressful but yeah super grateful to have found pretty much a dream spot so just a reminder to trust the process um because yeah there were pretty some some heavy heated times in that time um but we found a little spot um by the ocean so so excited um on top of that we opened pre-sales for love letters my book that has been in the works for a long time I'm gonna say like over five years um there's been many times where I've nearly released it and I'm so grateful that I didn't I've trust trusted my intuition because there were there were many chapters to that to that story that I wanted to add it's a, a little bit of a timeline of my story um in poetic form um and a whole bunch of artwork and brushwork amongst it just a beautiful coffee table book that hopefully um becomes like yeah, a bit of a Bible for the gals um, and a beautiful gift between friends. So super excited to to launch that into the world in November. Um, but the first season, I'm so grateful for everyone who tuned in and all the beautiful messages. Um, I just, it was just overwhelming, to be honest, um, the the feedback and just how welcoming everyone was um, and patient. I'm sure I'll look back in seasons to come and just cringe <laughs> and be like, I can't believe you let me record like that. Um, I hopefully hopefully get better with each season. Um, but yeah, pretty proud of what we put out. Um, you know, the, the aim of the game is to spread love and, and connect and um, share stories and um, yeah, create a little community where we can just get a little bit deeper and and little by little make a difference in in your ears and 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 the way you think and um know that you're not alone cuz yeah got to spread that big love energy um yeah but it was such a good time and uh we did have a lot of guests that were in my inner circle I was so proud to share my friends um with you guys and the amazing women and my bay um that they are um and this season we're definitely going to branch out a little more into um, people I, I'm just genuinely interested in and, and bringing in their, their knowledge and expertise, um, a lot of strong female energy, um, getting really spiritual um, for those who are into it. And I disclaimer, like I've never been, like back in the day, I wasn't a, an overly woo-woo person. It was more in my more recent journey when I went out on my own that I started really leaning into the signs of the universe. Um, and so I'm just going to gently bring that into Big Love Energy and um, share that with you guys and we'll just explore and see where it ends up. We're going to go straight into talking about this episode. We've, we've labeled it um, an open book um, because... Yeah, season one, you know, it was really breaking the ice, um, just getting around the whole um, idea of uh, just sh sharing on, on a platform different to social media. Um, 
I feel that whoever's here wants to be here. They've sought us out and, you know, I receive the most beautiful messages, but people were really looking forward to their, their Mondays hearing the episode drop, which for me, I, you know, I needed to hear that. I needed to know that people liked what we were putting out. Um, and it's given me the confidence to be more open. Um, I think that's where the beauty lies. I've had my walls up for a long time. I'm very good at protecting um, myself and my energy and my boundaries, um, but also protecting people. Um, but I also think that I need to be an open book because I do have a story to share and it is my story to tell. Um, so I, you know, will always respect um, everyone involved, but I will always, well, going forward, I, I, I really hope to share my story um, and how it's played out for me because I think there's so much value in, you know, someone who's been through it. If you're going through it um, or know someone who's going through a hard time, I've probably been there um, and I want to be able to connect with you guys and, and give you a little nudge and tell you it's going to be okay um, through this platform. So it's all about Big Love Energy Season 2, um, really opening up and and being super vulnerable um, like never before. So let's get into it. All right. So this episode, um, an open book, we decided to put up an ask me anything question box. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I haven't done one of these on my socials for a very long time, like over a year or two. I don't know. I I used to do them and then I think I got to a point where I was just in survival mode and protecting my energy so much that I was like, I just need to do this solo for a while without putting my heart out there. Um, but I'm I'm making up for it by <laughs> answering your Ask Me Anythings on a podcast. <laughs> May as well just cut to the chase. Um, and yeah, we put it put a question box up on the Big Love Energy podcast page um, and we did get lots of questions. A lot of them doubled up. There were a few that just come up all the time um, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to answer them the best I can um, to sort of put things to rest and ease your mind and know that everything's okay um, and, you know, where I'm at because we're being open. So first question, how was your childhood and are you close with your siblings today? It's like getting straight into it. <laughs> um, I have covered a little bit in the past um, about my childhood, that it wasn't um, your average, normal, um, yeah, childhood. It was quite, uh, yeah, traumatic um, and... I've never fully, yeah, shared the ins and outs and yeah, I don't know if like I ever fully will share full details, but just know that, you know, I, I copped <laughs> any form of abuse, um, listen, I, I, I've been dealt it um, and from multiple aspects of my life, I was, trust was broken on many levels um, and it wasn't because, like, I, I've done a lot of work since and I, I hate using that word, like, doing the work. It's, it's a never-ending journey. But I've done so much work in the way of understanding why that trauma happened. And I don't um, hold any hate or um, anything like that for how or why it happened. I understand that um, hurt people hurt people. Um, and the energy in our household growing up was really dark 
um, and I didn't know it at the time. Um, it was more when I was, you know, in the playground sharing stories with the girls in the in in the playground, and you'd share little tidbits like, "Oh, this has happened," or, and you'd get a side eye like, "Oh, that's a bit awkward," or, um, "Oh, that doesn't happen." In my, like, why are they doing that? And I learned very quickly to shut up and stay quiet and pretend like everything was okay. So, yeah, I learned very quickly at a very young age to protect the peace, pretend that there was peace and protect, you know, the projection that was going out there. And um, that makes you grow up really quickly. Um, So if you want to go back and listen to episode three in season one, I go into it a little more um, and I won't you know, repeat the sentiment behind it. It's pretty, I made it pretty clear. Um, And I will probably go further down the track. There's a couple of questions I'll probably will touch on, go a little bit deeper on that trauma because it just, it does like everything, like in life, it just keeps popping up in so many parts of my life and I've um, dealt with it the best that I can. Um, But yeah, I'm very well aware that, yeah, our childhood Growing up, there was while there was there were moments of light because at the end of the day, I don't think my parents um, set out to be, you know, to to truly hurt us. Um, they just had their demons, and we um, suffered because of it. And I've got four siblings. Well, there's four of us. I'm um, I've got two older brothers. I'm the third and a younger sister. And um, it's funny you look at all four of us and we've all had very individual journeys and you look at us as adults we're all striving for peace and happiness and very positive people we love love we've got so much love to give um we're all very creative um we put ourselves out there um which i'm really proud of like looking back at what we've been through whilst it's really um fragmented and there's there's a lot of hurt amongst it all. Um, I'm really proud that we can all individually deal with our pain in our own way and still show up in the world where we, we're trying to bring light, um, even if we don't get it right. So in terms of my relationship with my siblings, um, this I will answer this because it comes up every day um, in all sorts of ways. I'll be like, put up a question in a box about something completely different to like about my art or outfits and, and they'll be like, hey, how are you and your sister? Um, and I can't speak for anyone but myself, but I just know that um, our family and our trauma is very layered. It's very deep. Um, and there's been times where we've been super close. Um, and there's been times where, you know, when the, when it's so layered, we have to respect each other's boundaries in order to heal. Um, and we're just at a point in time where space is needed. Um, and I have to respect that. Um, so I just, you know, I want, I want the best for everyone. I want everyone to be happy. And if that means space and time, um, then that's what you have to do. Um, and as hard as it has, hard it is, as hard as it is (laughs) to say that, (laughs) um, specifically it's just, yeah, um, it is the way it is. And it's the same as my parents. Like I quite often struggle with the idea of, you know, especially with the work I do, I'm constantly looking and dealing with art and, and helping people in a grieving process where they've actually truly lost their parents um, in a, you know, spiritual sense, in a living sense. And 
you know, I hurt for them and I feel guilty because I have, my parents are alive, but I grieved them a long time ago. And I had to do that um, because it was, you know, just with everything that had been, we'd been through um, and, and the circumstances that we were left in, um, no matter how many times I did fight for their love, it was not something that they could give um, in a way of, you know, even being there. They just, it, there was a real, there was a real blockage there and, and it got to a point um, and it's different with both parents. There's different journeys with both parents, again, very layered. Um, but yeah, with my mum, it was just, there was nothing more than I wanted a relationship with my mother. Um, but, you know, most people know that if you can't, if you want to help someone and they can't help themselves and they don't want to help themselves, then there's got to be a point where you let go. Um, and there's no matter how hard that is, and that's what I had to do. Um, and the temptation is always there to reconnect. But um, these days, it's not just me that gets hurt. So I've got to protect um, the family I've made. Um, and so for me, that's a pretty strong boundary. Um, you can hurt me, but you you can't get to my babies. And, and yeah, it's, it's so layered. But um, I hope that gives, clears up a little bit of where I'm at with my family. Um, I just want the best for everyone. I have so much love for everyone, but and like I respect the boundaries, um, and and they respect mine, obviously. So that's that's that. Just to lighten the mood, um, we're going into another question. Love your style. Where do you get your outfit inspos from? Yeah, I've always loved fashion. I'm sure I can dig out some. I've only got a few photos of my childhood, but um, my eldest brother actually sent some to me recently and I was like, damn, girlfriend, she had some confidence um, with, yeah, definitely with my fashion. I was always like digging up mum's like outfits and, and trying new things to the point that my brothers were like so embarrassed. We'd go to the local shopping center and they're like, why are you wearing that? I'm like, because I love it. And they'd be like, that's that's weird or whatever. And I just, yeah, I always remember pushing the envelope. I've always loved like making things, obviously. <laughs> um, so I'd quite often bring out the sewing kit and um, sewing machine and make all sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I think um, as a child, I just sort of didn't really care. And I sort of had to work with what I was given as well. Like I had a lot of hand-me-downs and just made it work. Um, and then more so as an adult, because I suppose that's what you're asking. <laughs> you want to know about my outfit in spell as an adult, not as a child. But um, as an adult, I definitely dress a lot different now than I did um, a few years ago back in my marriage. I feel like I've only just found my identity um, in fashion and, and been confident to wear what I want to wear um, more recently, the more I've sort of stepped into myself. Um, because, yeah, back in the day, I you know, was really confined to that whole perception of like, you know, it was a multi multitude of reasons, but like, you know, I had this mother who put so much um, weight on, you know, looking very polished and in heels and, um, you know, long hair and always out, like hair always out and, um, you know, dresses. And then, you know, I got into dancing. So it was the same thing. It was always like looking polished and um, wearing heels all the time. And just like, um, yeah, all about the male gaze, I suppose. Um, and then in my marriage, it was always, yeah, I, I felt like I always needed to put out a level of like this, 
just unobtainable perfection on the daily. And I'm not talking, yeah, like I just felt that um, in order to be loved and worthy that I had to look a certain way. And then I think, yeah, as soon as I went out on my own, I was within a week, I started dressing in sneakers and and a love life jumper and jeans and my, I'd walk into a room my girlfriends would be like oh my god who were, who are you <laughs> um and it was just because I felt at home I was like oh my gosh I can just like breathe um and and express myself in a way that through my through my fashion and then it slowly became or actually quite quickly became you know oversized tees and the and the dunks and that eche aesthetic that my kids love um and yeah and now I throw in like I still chuck in my dresses I still love don't get me wrong feeling feminine and wearing dresses and heels but not every day not to work the amount of times the girls at work would be going are you comfortable when I used to wear my heels to work every day I'd be like yeah yeah I'm fine I can you know I can run better in heels than I can than I am flat-footed um I would make up you know excuses as to how comfortable I was in heels every day but um yeah these days I truly um, wear what I want to wear and, um, wear way less makeup than I used to. And I used to have all the trimmings and, um, I just think you just got to like be comfortable in what you're wearing. You've got to be, um, you know, if you feel, if you like, I grew up a tomboy, so like, it's really natural for me to want to wear oversized that lifestyle sort of sports athleisure look, um, it's supernatural to me. So if that's makes me feel comfortable, then that's what I wear. And then some days I feel like I want to be ultra feminine. So I'll pop on a dress. Um, and I wouldn't say that I have like actual like inspos where I'm like, Oh, what's she wearing? But it's just a, a vibe, dare I say, um, of just like the culture. And, you know, I love that whole vintage aesthetic and basketball culture and, and just like grabbing bits and pieces of like, times and and um and vibes that I love and just bring it into my wardrobe um and yeah having a play and I think it's you know it comes hand in hand with just being creative and a designer that it sort of falls into my lap a little bit but my advice to you is that if you're looking for inspo get onto things like Pinterest have a look through your Instagram feed and and start following some people that you're like you know not particularly their style but just their vibe like if you, it doesn't have to, they don't have to be fashion icons. They just have to be people that you admire or, a, you know, a movement in the world that you like, oh, you know what? I really, I really love that. Um, and bring that, try and bring that into your wardrobe and, um, and have a play. It's so fun. I find fashion so fun. Um, next question. Um, what skin treatments do you swear by? Interesting. Um, I have had quite a journey with my skin I've um yeah I have let's say a combination skin <laughs> um and just the, that Asian heritage um and I had amazing skin then I had awful skin and I've had amazing skin and I had when it's bad it's bad um and I break out crazily and every time I've looked back when I've had terrible skin, I've been under immense stress. Um, so I definitely think um, skin, good skin comes from within. Um, and there is multi a multitude of things that um, you can tap into if you want to get your skin on track. To answer the question specifically, I do, I haven't 
you know, I chop and change. Um, I, not, not every week or anything like that, but I go through seasons um, and see what works for me. Um, I've been using, I, I don't even know how to pronounce it, La Poche Rosé. I think you get it literally from Chemist Warehouse. It's um, a... It's like a it's like a natural, but it's like developed in a by pharmaceuticals, but it's quite gentle on your skin. So I do find that that works best for me. Um, but it's things like, um, yeah, obviously trying to eliminate stress, getting better sleep, um, double cleansing at night it was a big thing for me when I started double cleansing. Like, and it's literally like you wash your face once, but then you wash it again because that second wash really gets rid of like the dead skin cells and all that sort of stuff. The first one's for makeup and the second's like gets into your pores. I find that really was game changing for me. So there's a little tip there. Um, and also things like just keeping your makeup brushes clean and, you know, changing your pillowcase every couple of nights. Um, I'm really funny about towels on my face and things like that. I, and just even touching your face. I found that when I was stressed and touching my face and trying to fix things and put use all the things on it, that's when it would get really congested. Um, so for me, it's more about just keeping it clean um, and simple and then doing those things um, that make your insides happy um, mentally and, and also your gut. Um, I do take collagen every day and have done so for about six years. Um, and it's not so much that I can, like I do think, like I, I could never put pinpoint whether it worked until I stopped taking it. And then I was like, oh, I can see a difference in my hair and my skin. So definitely collagen, um, whether you get it from a bone broth or a powder or whatnot. Um, and then just, um, yeah, just looking after your diet, like drinking your water. And I'm, I, I say that being a very terrible drink, water, drinker of water, like I have to really remind myself to get my my even two liters in is a struggle for me. Um, but yeah, just being aware that it all helps. And definitely as you're getting older, um, yeah, just just doing those little routines and rituals. You know, I do a face mask once a week. Um, I use a gua sha on my face. Those things like um, they all add up, I feel. And if you get yourself into a little routine and you'll become really mindful of your skin, then it becomes more prominent and it, you're going to see the results. So that's my answer for that. Um, next question. These questions, they, they, there's a variety. These ones are quite light and, and <laughs> I'm happy with, but then I think we're going to get deeper again. But this one's, how do you even start doing push-ups? I should have had <laughs> Hayden here for this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I can only speak from my perspective and my journey. Um, you know, I've done all sorts of fitness over the years. I was a CrossFitter for a long time. Um, and, you know, then I went through, you know, had babies. So I literally, I, um, yeah, went through a phase where I lost all my strength. And every time I've tried to rebuild, it's just baby steps. It's starting with one or two reps, even if it's on your knees. Although Hayden taught me recently that there's a, there is a um, alternative. Like if you have access to like those thick rubber bands um like the, the exercise bands and you pop them over you know two weight hooks say that you've got a rig and you pop them over two hooks so it makes sort of like this resistance and you do your push-up so your chest falls on the band and the band sort of helps you um go up and down very technical <laughs> that's better than going on your knees so if you can sort of visualize that um that's a progression that's even better than 
then on your knees. If you don't have that, scrap that. Um, knees has worked for me in the past. Building, you know, one, three, five every day on your knees. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, I might get off my knees now and start back at one off your knees and then go to three, five. And then before you know it, you, you're pumping out 10. Um, and yeah, just getting getting in the right position. Um, yeah. I'm no, no, no P, PT, but if, yeah, you Google it or YouTube getting your, I think getting your hands in the right position is um, crucial as well. So getting that technique right and building from there, that's key. And then you'll be on your way. Um, next question. Do you and your partner's kids get along well? Yes, they do. Um, someone said this morning, I feel like Rafi would get along with anyone. Um, um, and yeah, they're, they're all beautiful kids. Obviously, there's um, we've got the three little ones that are all similar in age. And then Jace is my big boy who, re- like even prior to, you know, um, this relationship, he was already on, he, on his way, you know, I hardly see him. He's so busy with school. He's so busy with extracurricular curricular activities and hanging with his mates so um he's very independent um and then but yeah he he has heaps of times for for the kids and 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 his little brother and um when we're all together it's all all beautiful and then yeah the little ones are just yeah they're crazy together um it's very loud and busy and um but full of life so there's plenty to look forward to but um they don't get to see each other much because obviously you know we share custody um, and it's like, you know, fitting it around our, our lives and kids' birthday parties and whatnot. But when we do get to spend time together, it's really lovely and, um, yeah, nice to watch and, and fun. So it's, yeah, never thought that I'd have four kidlets in my life. It's crazy, but it's awesome. Um, <laughs> which brings us to our next question. Will you have more babies? You and your man would make gorgeous babies. Babies, babies, babies. Um, <laughs> uh, look, it's very tempting, the whole concept of, um, I think when you fall in love with someone, the idea of pouring all your best attributes into one person and bringing them into the life and, and seeing how that develops is is beautiful and tempting. Um, little Della Wolf babies, we call them. Um, but <laughs> in saying that, you know, part of my story is that I'm extremely infertile. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, you know, to, to go back to question one is, um, you know, I was told due to my the abuse I suffered, I was told as a teenager I'd never have babies, I'd never have kids. I was told that when I was 15. I remember running out of the doctor's office just like not wanting to deal with it, not wanting to hear it anymore um, to the point that I – you know, when I fell pregnant with Jace at 21, I was, it was an absolute shock and miracle. And there was no way, even though I wasn't prepared to, to be a mum at that point, I, there's no way I wasn't going ahead with it. And I knew I'd figure it out. Um, and even when I was trying to, you know, provide him with a sibling, I never wanted to open that can of worms. So I never went to a doctor and said, you know, why am I infert like, you know, I just thought I'd fall, I fell pregnant naturally once it would happen again. And then seven years passed and it didn't happen. And, you know, people would be like, oh, you should try IVF. And I was just like, for me, the, the idea of going into a doctor's office and saying at that time, I just thought 
that will lead to me having to open up about my trauma and I don't want to do that. So I put it off. I was like, no, no, I just trust the process. I'll fall pregnant naturally. Um, And I did. I fell pregnant naturally about seven years into it and um, was pumped, got to the 11-week scan, like my first scan, and they said, I remember the ultrasound um, sonographer going over my tummy and just putting, um, I don't know, the Doppler down, like the, the mechanism that they, they scan you with and, and just left the room. And I just went, oh, that's not good. Um, and they told me that I had an empty uterus. And I was, you know, obviously devastated after trying for so long to find that out, 11 weeks along. And then they said, oh, look, there's, a, there's actually a, a mass between um, your bowel and your uterus and it's too large to be an ectopic pregnancy. And an ectopic pregnancy, for those who don't know, is when a, you know, the egg for, starts forming within your tube and doesn't actually make its way to, to the uterus and, and starts forming. And quite often they, they, you know, you miscarry naturally and, and you're in a lot of pain. I was in no pain. Um, they found this large mass and they said, look, it's way too big to be an egg forming. Um, it could be cancer. So I was in that room that day going in elated thinking here, I'm going to meet my hear my baby's heartbeat for the first time to you're not pregnant and you possibly have cancer and I just my world crumbled it was a lot and you know I left there and went and saw my GP and and she was forwarded the um the scans like the report from that that meet that appointment um and she looked at it and said this looks like an ectopic, like it has to be an ectopic, like your levels and everything and just the timing. And, and if that's so, because this is actually like a week after the actual, because they were so certain it wasn't an ectopic, they sent me away for a week and I didn't have an appointment with my GP. And in that time, she's like, you would be taught, you would, your you have to go emergency right now and get this looked at. Um, and I went to the emergency ward and there was an amazing, luckily an amazing, um, fertility specialist, Dr. Michael Flynn was randomly, he wasn't actually meant to be working that night, um, but was called in, um, and he was there and he looked at the report and said, yep, this is, this is a rupturing ectopic. Um, and we later found out four hours, like if four hours had passed, I'd be gone. Um, and so it was pretty... It was like to go through that journey um, and then have that happen. It was pretty stifling. Um, and it got to a point where I was like, you know, it was as scary as it was, it actually cemented the fact that I was like, I was so certain I was having a baby um, and I was so close. I was like, I, I need to have that baby. I need, to, I need to have a baby. And I think I like looking back, I was just so craving to give love again. Um, I wanted to give love and I wanted you know, a baby to give that to. Um, So I put on my big girl pants and went, I'm going to talk to this doctor because I'd broken the ice. He'd he'd saved my life. He did take my um, ovary and one of my tubes. So I've got on one side just, yeah, no ovary, no tube um, in the the emergency process because it was all gone, like just like unsalvageable. Um, And then... I um, 
thought, yep, I'm comfortable with this doctor. I'm going to tell him about, I was like, he's going to want to sit me down and tell, I'm going to have to tell him about the abuse and why I'm, why I'm infertile. And I remember going into like, it was a, like a follow-up appointment and he was like, um, this is what happened. Um, tell me your fertility history. Like what's, what's your plans? Do you want to fall pregnant? And I was like ready to, to unleash a, like a life story on him. And he just, you know, I got, I started like, I was like 10 seconds into it. Um, and he just went, we don't need to know about that. <laughs> um, um, there's no need for us to know about that. Uh, we understand how hard that must be for you. Um, but I'm in the business of making babies <laughs> and um, I want to help you. Um, obviously your so he's like your tubes and I'd been told this before were the issue they had endured too much early on and um the problem with my fertility issue was getting my perfectly healthy eggs to my uterus um and he said that's what IVF was created for so you're like the perfect patient um and he was right like I fell first round I fell pregnant um with baby Rafferty um and he was yeah so much like just a rainbow baby in so many on so many levels um and the start of my healing process um um so yeah <laughs> so I just um I'm very grateful for the for the babies I have in my life um and I've been a mum for 15 years and you know, as, as, as clucky as I get, yeah, there's no, there's no, no more babies on the horizon for me. Um, and I will just live through my, um, gorgeous girlfriends <laughs> and the babies that they bring into the world and love on the beautiful children I have in my life. Um, and yeah, so that's that. <laughs> okay. All right. So thanks for listening to that. No, um, we're going to go to the next question. I'm looking at it now, just like, <laughs> the timing of this question Brooke Evers your band from the Big Love Energy page she writes do you love the D <laughs> Duh, no. <laughs> no I um Brooke <laughs> inappropriate no I I do love I love love that's all I'll say <laughs> yes I love love um, okay, what is your co-parenting relationship like with your ex? Does he support your journey? Um, uh, respectfully, um, yeah, I think we we are co-parenting the best we can individually. Um, it's definitely, we've got a long way ahead of us. Um, yeah, coming up three years since the split and it's not, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's an ideal situation. There's... A lot of feelings there and um you know some yeah everyone's on their own path everyone needs their own timeline I respect that um but ideally the kids are out, like like are everything and and I want I would love to be in a place one day where you know we can all be friends um so um yeah it's not there yet um does he support my journey? We just we just live very, very separate lives. We're two very very different people. Um, we've obviously been through a lot together, but um, we're just not in that time or place where 
um, we share share it, any part of the journey together anymore. And and I don't know if that'll change. I hope it does. But um, yeah, I just all I can control is how you know how I parent the kids my actions I feel they speak louder than words and I just really concentrate on making sure that I'm the best mum possible for them um they are my focus so um that's and and you know he does the same on his side so until um further time tells like we won't know but um always hope for the best and stay hopeful remain hopeful and if you're going through something similar just make sure that you Remain, stay positive, lean on your friends, lean on your girlfriends and um, yeah, just don't lose hope that, you know, all will be okay. All right. Next question. How do you build a strong relationship with your boys? Oh, yeah. I, um, yeah, it's, it's, look, I'm no expert. (laughs) I'm sure they'll, they'd have different answers. Look, Rafi, like I said before, he gets along with anyone. That kid is the epitome of love life. He, he is such a beautiful energy. Anyone that knows him and comes across him is just like, wow, that kid has so much love to give. Um, so we are just like peas in a pod. Um, he, he just, he's funny and like, just like so mature at the same time, but he's crazy. He's actually like super wild. Um, so I do have to, I do have to rein in, rein him in. Um, but we have a lot of fun together. Um, and I think, yeah, I've always intuitively with my parenting with both kids is like, just followed my instinct. Like I think, um, you know, I, I don't get it right every time, all the time, most of the time. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know that's parenting. Right. And I think when you've been, you know, my own history with how I was parented um it's been such you know becoming a mother was such a a learning curve for me because you don't know that you're going to you don't it was very triggering because like I would find myself especially being a young mum to Jace um you know you react emotionally in in instances and that's when I it was so triggering for me because I would say or do something that was my mother and I'd be like oh, I forgot that that's how, like, where did I, like, I know where I learned that from. And I, I had put it away, um, for a long time until I became a mum and it came out naturally because that's just a learned behavior. Um, and so for me, it was just like, that's when I started to go, you know, I've got, I've got to break the cycle. I don't want to be, I don't want to parent like that. So I had to go deep and figure out how do I want to parent and, through therapy and, and, and with Monique, my therapist, she, you know, she's like, that's the first step. That awareness, when you start questioning your parenting, that is quite often the difference between, you know, you and the parent that you don't want to be. Um, your awareness of wanting to be better is the first step to being like, okay, that's the difference because they had plenty of time to sort of fix those um that behavior and, and, and look at us now, it's still fractured. So it is a constant work on bettering myself and looking after myself emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, so I can show up best for them. And it does like there are, there are times when life gets 
full on and and away from you and that's when I feel like my parenting drops I'm you know I can be snappy and I call it like dragon mum um because I'm just unsettled and so for me I just need everything sorted and ducks lined up and and just at peace so I can parent the best and life is unpredictable so it's the things that are going to pop up and there's going to be seasons of your life where you're just like it's a lot right now I'm not I'm not managing and in those times I'm very lucky that my you know I've built such a foundation with my kids that they're super patient with me um especially now that I'm on my own um you know they've they've you know really been patient with me but whenever I'm hard on myself and go you know they deserve better or like I wish I could do better or things like that I know that you know it does build resilience and as long as I act out of love and and you know nurture them the best way I know how in and um and show them that I'm constantly trying um that's that's enough for them um and so we have this yeah mutual understanding I think we've been through so much together as well um that it's yeah when it comes down to just hanging out or having fun and spending the weekend together we don't need to be doing much um uh, we just need to be together and like I said Jace is super independent now so he's quite often often doing his own thing but I always try and you know <laughs> nudge him and say can we have like some quality time with you um amongst all your your busyness or just hanging out in his room um gaming with his mates like i I'd try and be super fair going, I get it, you you know, your mates are everything to you and um, you definitely deserve to have that those freedoms. So, but I always just do a little trade off and be like, can we go scoot for an hour or go to the, like do something that we can all sort of enjoy together or watch a movie. Um, we definitely find common ground that we can just sort of everyone at different, because we're all different age groups, like obviously the mother and then we've got a teen and then we've got Rafi who's quite little. So at seven years of age so we just try and find that common ground not all the time um, but just be really transparent about you know the trade-offs and and the fact that we want to spend time with each other and it's not all the time and I, I love giving him his space um, and not and not crowding him but I think just being open about that narrative and 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 what's going on and where your rationality that um, that provides a lot of trust and um, he's really obliging because he knows that I'm being rational. Um, and then Jace, uh, Rafi's just there for a good time and he goes through moments where he's like, you know, you know, he would love to spend more time with his brother but we, we, we keep busy in the way that, you know, we're just always like talking and doing things and, and he's, you know, comes to work with me and we, we live a, you know, a quiet but ver- like we have a lot of variety in our life. So, um I think, yeah, that's where we sort of found our balance. And um, I just, with every age that we sort of go through, like I just love each stage. Like I'm really, I can't believe Jace will be graduating school in like a year and a half. Um, And then I'll just have, you know, little Raph to to guide along as well. Um, And then, yeah, like it's just, it just, all part of the journey I suppose and and really being mindful of just going actually enjoy the process and I think that's been a blessing as well having that age gap is I feel like I had Jace yesterday so with Raph it's just everything's just a little bit more savoured and just really reminding like it goes so quick goes so quick so not to take it for granted and also be gentle with yourself 
um, yeah, and look after yourself so you can show up the best way as as a parent. At the end of last season, we re- we realised that I asked all my guests their flashback faves, but I never got around to sharing mine. Um, and as a, as a true fan of nostalgia and and just tapping into that parts of our inner child, I I thought I'd share mine today and start um, the episode with that. So flashback faves, here we go. Flashback faves. I had a little thing about this, and I I was pretty. It was it's, I've got. I'm quite diverse um, and I thought, you know, musically um, I can tell you that I danced in my bedroom every day after school. Um, it was actually an escape mechanism for me. I just would – I had a – like a those, you know, folding mirrors that sort of go over three doors, um, floor to ceiling, and I just treated that room like a dance studio because I wasn't allowed actual dance lessons. Um, and I would dance anything – mainly Mariah Carey. I had a strong obsession for Mariah Carey. Went to her concert, cried the whole way through. Um, but then I had a real phase like – and with Mariah Carey, it was like TLC and Whitney Houston and, and Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson. Um, but then I went through this real phase towards the end of like, like in high school where I just thought I was full-blown Latina. Um, so Ricky Martin um, was strong on high in rotation and um, yeah, just used to try my best at Latin dancing, um, self-teaching myself in my bedroom. Um, and, and YouTube, like whilst it was around, there wasn't exactly like how to do Latin dance on there just yet. So it was very much just copying what I saw on Rage, copying what I saw on video hits. Um, and yeah, doing the whole record songs from Rick D's weekly top 40 on a Sunday afternoon and writing down all the lyrics. And yeah, I, I, I've, was obsessed with music and dance from a very young age. Um, but a big part of my childhood that I remember is like finishing school, coming home and watching TV. Um, I'd walk home and I think it was 3.30 every day. I'm pretty sure um, the nanny was on every day and I was obsessed with Fran Fine and the whole show, the nanny, um, I to this day can um, rap <laughs> the theme song to um to the opener and I won't do it for you today I'll save your ears but it was definitely like I just loved the whole the the just the ease of watching the show it was such a fairy tale underdog storyline of a nanny who was you know everyone sort of looked down on her because she was a bit rough around the edges but had this amazing fashion and style um and she didn't really care what anyone thought and um, she falls in love with her boss who she looks after their children. Just the whole storyline was just really cheesy, funny storylines that I just grew up watching as well as things like I Dream of Jeannie and Bewitched. And um, I just, I think I, I have to nod that whole season of my life for just just watching that. And I always, yeah, there's things that happen in my life to this day that I'm like, oh, you know, it just reminds me of that time or, or seeing those strong female characters um, be their own person and, and the, the, the little quirks that they, um, you know, own that I to this day am like, yeah, just, just be you. Um, so, yeah, that's my little flashback fave. Words to live your week by. All right. So this week, words to live your week by. I'm reading a poem from my little stash here known as love letters um yeah 
I will just get straight into it. Don't let them harden your heart. Don't let them soften your strength. Don't let their words take away your voice. Don't let their coldness take away your fire. Don't let their bitterness overpower all that you do see is good and sweet. I'll see you next week. Thanks, lovers. I don't want just anybody. Let me treat you like somebody.